If you've come out as trans or loved someone who's transitioned, you'll know that there's a lot of specifics in the experience that people don't really talk about. I mean, it's a hard thing to imagine, right? And being in a relationship with someone while they go through the process of finding and inhabiting their new gender, well, it's complicated to say the least. It throws up questions about everything you knew about identity, sexuality, and gender, not only for them or in general, but for yourself as well. As a partner of a trans person, you go through your own transition. But how would I know? Well, it's something I've been through. Hey, it's Nat Tenchich here. And in this episode, we're going to explore what it's like to be in a relationship while someone's transitioning. You're going to hear from author Emma Batchelor, who's just published her memoir about being with her partner as they transitioned from male to female. And as someone who has specifically lived through the same thing, there's a lot we can relate on. It was a real pleasure to be able to get some of my thoughts and feelings out with her. It was something I really needed. And you're going to learn a lot. But first, I think I should give you some context and tell you my story. Now, I want to preface this by saying I'm not speaking on behalf of anyone trans, but as someone who's seen it happen to someone I loved firsthand, from my perspective, it's an incredible emotional roller coaster for everyone involved. And there are many, many versions of this story with every different relationship because some people go from being in a perceived straight relationship to a queer one, and some people go the other way around. And those experiences are different. We're going to explore that in a bit. So my ex-partner and I had a relationship for just under seven years. When we met, she was living as a boy, a very cute boy that I feel super hard for. Um, we were in a band together and she was the drummer. Anyway, <laughs> I thought she was very cute. And then a couple of months into dating through actually a game of hot and cold, um, where she got me to guess what she wanted me to tell her she revealed that she had dreams where she was a girl and revealed to me that she sometimes dressed in women's clothes that she was bi-gender and could switch between the two now when I heard this it was very huge at the time like I had a whole flood of emotions like intense empathy and sympathy for her having to keep this secret her whole life really fascinated and strongly drawn to it and this was before 2015 this was before Laverne Cox and Caitlyn Jenner and any mainstream conversation about being trans was really there and you knew things but I was just flooded with curiosity and excitement and so over the next few years it was this shared private secret identity for us. I helped her get into girl mode. I did her hair and nails and makeup. Um, I taught her all sorts of girly things and cuddled and had sex in ways that were noticeably decidedly female. It was one of the times that I realized, oh, I'm having sex with a woman. I don't know what that means for me. <laughs> and that would be something I got to later. A few years in, she decided she wanted to officially transition gender and she started taking hormones and it presented a whole lot of new challenges like going out together as women for the first time as a lesbian couple, 
Like literally there was one time early on where we were out together and some dude yelled lesbians at us from his car driving past. And look, that is super shit behavior. We do not promote catcalling here on the hookup. But even though that happened, she was still kind of like she squeezed my hand with some excitement at being correctly gendered. And I too had to consider that and see myself for the first time in a new way. We were in a queer relationship all of a sudden. Was I gay? Was I pansexual? Was I queer? What did this make us? It makes you really question your own identity and sexuality through it all. And if you're an OG hookup listener, you know where I ended up with my sexuality and identity. But you're never sure if it's something that applies widely or just to this particular person. And at the same time, you're watching the person you love transform into the someone that they're supposed to be. The version of them that you fell for disappears. It's a really weird thing to grapple with because, of course, you're happy for them and, of course, it's the right thing for them to do. But that person you met, that you kind of thought you knew and were attracted to, they're old them, they die a living death. And it's the most complex grief I've ever been through. It's exciting and, at the same time, incredibly painful especially not being able to acknowledge that old person because it was generally painful for them to be that person. I have old photos of them that I look at sometimes and it's really weird thinking that that person doesn't exist anymore, but does. It's a real trip. (laughs) Suffice to say it's complicated. It's confusing shit for everyone involved. And while there's a lot of literature out there for and by trans people about this process, I've rarely seen a story like mine told until now. Now That I See You is an autofiction by Emma Batchelor. It recently won the Australian Vocals Literary Award for an unpublished manuscript and is now in print. Reading it, I cried. Because Emma and my stories are really similar, though there are differences. The book begins six years into her relationship with her partner Jess as they come out as trans. In a series of diary entries and emails, she details the confusion, pain, and fallout between them. It's not everyone's story, but there was so much heartbreaking truth in it for me. So let's get into it. Here is a in-depth and pretty emotional conversation with Emma Batchelor. And if this isn't something you have any contact with, I hope you still learn something. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited. I, I wanted to start by thanking you for writing Now That I See You. I like spent some time with it over the past week and it brought up so much for me as somebody who has been a partner through transition that is just not said or seen <laughs> or communicated or I think people understand about the position we've been in. So I wanted to start by asking you, what made you like want to tell this story in this way um, and how much of it is is true to your experience? It's an autofiction. So where are the where are the differences? Yes. Firstly, thank you. I'm so glad that it resonated with you. And I think exactly what you said is a big part of why I wanted to tell this story, because in the position that I was trying to support my partner through her transition. I just couldn't find very much 
information from a partner's perspective or even stories from a partner's perspective. And we'd read so much that was written by trans people for trans people and that was massively helpful. But I just wanted to to find something that kind of connected with me and what I was feeling and gave me, I guess, a bit of comfort because I felt like I was doing such a terrible job. And (laughs) so I... I wanted to try and, and to feel to fill that gap and to to share that experience. And as to how much is is fiction and how much is true, it's mostly true. It's really just little little things <laughs> that I've fictionalized or things I've ordered, reordered slightly just to give it a better narrative and flow. But it was important to me given how politicized trans identities are and how fraught conversations about gender and sexuality are that I was really truthful and authentic to anything that I covered in that area. Absolutely. It is, it is really weird. Hey, because as you say, like there's a lot of media for people who are going through it themselves. And I think when you look at the situation and what is actually happening, you know, of course it is about the person like going through a transition. So when you are also going through a lot and you want to share that story, there's this weird kind of almost um, like, oh, it's not about you-ness. 100%. And I felt that so much. And I think I beat myself up with that a lot and always felt like my experience was secondary. And I think in some respects it is because, of course, transition is its own thing and if you're not going through that you know you can't you can empathize but you just can't understand how big a thing that is but that being said it was really dangerous and bad for me to keep putting myself down and making my needs secondary and I just lost sight of myself and how how important I was in being me in our relationship and that process as well so I think it's a tricky thing and a trap you can fall into very easily as a partner yeah definitely was that was that like part of the reason why the book is entirely from uh your perspective um the book uh for those who haven't read it is entirely told in journal entries and emails um to Jess uh your partner but we never actually see Jess's replies um, or are privy to any of those conversations. Um, Talk me through your decision to do that. Yeah, I think as a cisgender person, I didn't want to speak for Jess or for her experience. That was really important to me. I think I felt comfortable speaking about my experience in relation to it and our shared experience as a romantic couple but I just didn't want want to speak for her. And so that was kind of the ethical (laughs) part of the choice. But then the kind of practical part of the choice is at the time I was writing, Jess and I were separated and she didn't know what I was doing or what I was writing. So I didn't have her permission to include anything from her perspective. And I wanted to honor that as well. And I like the gaps that it, it gives for the reader to kind of guess what's happening and to make those assumptions yeah I mean that's kind of the thing like you're having those conversations but you're still like you said you're still guessing it's it's such a hard thing to to understand or to um to truly be like oh 
like I get it sort of thing. So I wanted the update. So you and Jess are back together? Like what's gone on since the place where the book ends? Yes. So yes, very happily in real life, (laughs) we are back together and we'd run into each other on the street completely by chance. And when I was writing, I just, I did never know if we would see each other again. And I was trying to make my peace with that. And I'm really happy with where the book ends and how that ends. But I'm even more happy that in our real life that we did refind each other and we are together again. And that's been a really big whole other journey as we try to to reform our relationship and rediscover how we are together as two women and what that looks like and what that feels like. Yeah, I, I want to talk a little bit about that in a moment and how you have to reframe your sexuality going through this. It's um, such a head fuck. Uh, <laughs> but I want to I want to go back to the very start. Mm. So you had been with Jess for quite a number of years um, before they came out. What was that coming out moment like for you? We had been together for six years before she felt able to tell me. And we had, we'd been in a heterosexual relationship. I'd not ever questioned my sexuality before. And I just had no no inclination or suspicion that she was questioning her gender or struggling with how she felt in her body. So when she she first told me, it was a massive shock and I didn't react in the way that I wish I had in hindsight. (laughs) But I think I was just so shocked and I really... I think as you do in a kind of stressful situation with like, oh, what does this mean for me? <laughs> what does this mean for our relationship? Uh, as well as, of course, trying to support her in what was such a huge, huge revelation for her. Yeah, and and when she comes out, so a lot of the book is about her wanting the space and and cutting things off, like, why did that happen and what was going on there? That would have been so difficult to go through. It really was and it's really interesting because when I was writing it, I was trying to capture what that really felt like in the moment and then it's interesting now with, I guess, the distance of time and me being mentally in a better space than I was then to go back and and look at it and think about it. But I think... Yeah, it was just so hard and I can understand now that her desire for space and her need for space to just sit with her identity and and think about what it could be like and feel that out, that was coming from a place of love and for her to also give me the space to look after myself. But at the time, it just didn't feel like that at all. And I, I think neither, we both needed space, but but couldn't acknowledge it properly and I certainly couldn't at the time yeah because this was like a part where um our stories yours and mine are really different and I sort of Mm. thought it was quite interesting because yeah like you said you've been with someone for six years not suspecting a thing and then this happens like that's earth shattering whereas in my relationship my ex came out to me um in in a way, uh, like maybe three months into us seeing each other. So it was very, or like four, 
five months into us seeing each other. So it was very, it was like always part of our relationship. But the point at which you decide to transition, I felt so many of like similar things in the book where it was like once you decide to transition, that's when the social changes happen, the really confusing stuff happens, the changes in sex and sexuality and and feelings about your body really hit. Um, And I kind of wanted to talk a bit about sex because I think this is something people don't also don't understand is that when someone's going through transition, Mm -hmm. it's not like sex has to go out the window, but it becomes a very fraught experience. Absolutely. And I think we both had depression, which compounded everything because, of course, you're not feeling very good or sexy (laughs) when you're depressed as well. And I think the importance of sex in our relationship changed and I still had a lot of sexual desire, but it was toward a body that was changing and I wasn't sure how I would feel sexually attracted to Jess's body as it did change. And for her, she had so much going on that sex was a very low priority because there were so many more pressing things that she was giving her energy and attention to. So it did become a very fraught thing and a a thing that we definitely weren't on the same page about throughout the transition And it's really lovely now that we're back together and as Jess has been on hormones and how that's changed her body and her desires and even her erogenous zones. And then for me, finding that I am sexually attracted to those feminine things that I just hadn't thought I was before and how now sex is much more joyous and exploratory and playful and it's just such a contrast to how it was before in the the midst of the transition yeah definitely it's it's like um it made me think of this one moment um and I remember it's like the first time that I had sex with my um ex-partner who like we're still friends by the way uh (laughs) still in each other's lives but like the first time I had sex with her on femme um which I love that you use that language in the book too the boy mode femme mode is very there but like I felt her body behave like a woman's and I was like oh that was actually the first time I had sex with a woman and it was yeah like brain breaking in a way but extremely exciting and then you just step back and you go okay, there's something going on with me here. (laughs) 100%. And that's how I felt too. I remember the first time we had sex together, Femme, and feeling, yes, her body behaved differently and also like long hair touching me and like things being a soft, just a different quality than our sex had been before and that being so surprising. And, yeah, what it made me feel being something I hadn't experienced before and just absolutely being like, God, have I like liked women all this time and just not <laughs> known until now? Like <laughs> it really is just mind blowing once that first moment. And you know, that first moment to be so true. So when people, you know, cause I think there are a lot of, um, there's a lot of weird social stuff you have to deal with when you're going through this. And so when people say like, Oh, but, are you queer or do you just love this person? It's just completely screws with you just trying to even work yourself out. 
I felt that too. And I felt a really strong pressure. And I don't even know if it was completely external, if it was myself as well, to put a label to what I was feeling. And I looked at so many things and I asked myself those questions. I was like, is this just about Jess or is this something that I've kind of unlocked in myself but not questioned before? And I couldn't really, I'd find all these labels and sometimes they'd feel right and other times they wouldn't. And then I'd get overwhelmed and then I'd give up. And then like a few months later, I'd go on the search again. And I think I'm still not not 100% sure, but I think I've got more comfortable with in myself and when I talk to other people about my sexuality, being okay with not being able to define it and it just being a weird, fluid, unnameable thing. Yeah, like that's totally fair and fine and you – you almost can't land on it until you have other experiences because it just gets, you're still going to be in your head the whole time. Like I, um, I remember telling my mum about, um, my ex and like, she, she said to me, she was like, Oh, but like, okay, that just means that doesn't mean you're gay. Like, it just means you like this person. And I held on to that for so long. And I was like, maybe I don't know am I pansexual I think that's what that means um and then you know us going on a becoming open and going on a break and being able to explore outside helped a lot but it's um yeah it's so hard to know um while you're while you're really in this very unique situation yes and I think that's true for me too I think I probably wouldn't be able to define it in a more concrete way until I did explore outside the relationship But for now, we're just so wrapped up in each other and being back together. I just, I feel very monogamous and I don't, (laughs) I don't feel that urge. (laughs) So maybe one day, but I think, yeah, I'm okay. I'm okay with where, where I'm at in terms of defining my sexuality. Yeah. I'm so glad that's really awesome. And I'm, yeah, I'm really happy for you. In the book, you talk about, um, this really like unique experience that is, is is so really weird and hard to explain, I think, to people who haven't been through it or loved somebody who transitioned. Um, and, you know, they call it dead naming and they're really not wrong when they say mm-hmm. dead naming because that person that you had a relationship with does kind of die. Like there's this weird, I don't know, the grief in it is so hard to explain how how would you describe it? How was your experience with losing um, the, the old Jess? It is really complicated and I think it makes the grief even more complicated and less straightforward because I think there can be some types of grief when you do lose somebody in a straightforward way. It's always hard and it's always horrible, but there's there's almost a kind of certainty or a roadmap to it. But this type of grief, when the person is still there in a way and there's still parts of them that are still there, but obviously parts of them that are not, it's really, really complicated. And I struggled with it a lot. And I think it's hard even within yourself to separate the memories from what is in front of you. And that makes it more complicated too. So I think 
yeah, it's just so nuanced and complex. And I absolutely had no, no idea what it would be like or feel like when I, when I started experiencing those feelings. Yeah. And the parts of the personality that are like, are they put on? Were they false? Did I fall in love with like a false version of this person? And what has carried over and what hasn't, you know? Absolutely. I did a lot of thinking about that. And I think now, again, being further out from it, it seems silly, like, of, but at the time, it felt very real and very genuine and a very genuine concern. And I think uh, maybe part of that was me making it a bit more about me <laughs> than it needed to be. But I think it's natural and genuine. And there's things like that that I really wanted to keep in the book. And they are kind of reactions and behaviors that I had that I do feel a bit ashamed about now or having been further through it and done more thinking I do feel a bit silly for being concerned about some things, but I think it's so important to have in there because it is like that is genuinely and naturally how I felt and behaved at the time. And I'm sure lots of other people do as well. Yeah, absolutely. This is The Hookup on Triple J. I'm speaking with Emma Batchelor. She's the author of Now That I See You. It's a something of a memoir, I suppose, a <laughs> lightly fictional memoir, but <laughs> yes. all about um, being with a partner who transitions. Um, it's it's a whole thing. <laughs> it's, Indeed. <laughs> it's a whole damn thing. Um and I, I would like to get from you, I suppose, we talked about the fact that this is a story that isn't necessarily told as much because the, 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 the bigger story here is the person going through the transition. So there's a secondariness to being part of this story. Um, but what sorts of like assumptions and misconceptions, especially that you found or got in your own life, drove you really crazy about being a partner of a trans transitioning person? I think the assumption that as Jessie started to transition that I wouldn't want to be with her or that she wouldn't want to be with me or that she wouldn't be attracted to me or that I wouldn't be attracted to her. So kind of the, the assumption that when you're male or presenting as male that you must be attracted to women and then if that changes, that your sexual attraction changes as well. So I think just that it really highlighted to me that binary thinking that we have and the assumptions we make about what we look like and what that means for who we're attracted to. So that used to annoy me sometimes. And I think just that assumption that we wouldn't want to be together anymore or that our, our love couldn't transcend such a thing would upset me because I, I wanted us so much to be able to stay together and I felt like it didn't change the way I felt at all but there was an assumption that it would yeah definitely but I mean I mean there is that weird thing that the attraction attraction can change and and does change a bit with hormones with reconfiguring your identity you know, for that person, like one thing I found with um, mm. my ex is that, w so we we broke up twice. <laughs> we like broke up, got back together 
and then ended things again. But the first time we broke up, um, a large part of it was because um, she was like, I think I'm attracted to men now. I think, I don't know if I always was, but I want to explore that. And I was always like, let's be open. And that didn't really work out the first time. (laughs) But that that curiosity and, um, you know, estrogen can can sort of bring about or compound that desire, um, which yeah. is so confusing for everyone. Like, d- is that something you also found? Yes, it is. And as Jess has been on her hormones and as that's changed, she's she identified as bisexual before. And then when she started transitioning, she felt asexual. It just, she just had no desire or libido at all. And now she is closer to identifying as lesbian, but there is still that kind of sometimes attraction to men that's, yeah, comes and goes and flares. So it has changed. And I think it's been to do with hormones. It's been to do with mental health. It's been to do with everything. And I think for me, I've found that I would have identified as heterosexual and now I'm in a lesbian relationship, but I'm not sure if I would identify that way. But I've really gone off men in general, (laughs) but sometimes I still have like that leading attraction as well, but not in a way that I would want to act on. So I think, yeah, it's very changeable and over time and over situation as well. I think it just teaches you that um, that sexuality and and gender and all of these things that society tells us is supposedly fixed are just really not in any sense. Absolutely. I've been doing so much reading about it lately as well and just looking at gender constructs and sexuality constructs and yet how changing they are and that it's all really just a big lie that we're we're told that they stay the same always because they just they just don't and I would I hadn't questioned that until I started feeling this way as well one thing in the book that um and you know and speaking on um gender and what it is and how it's performed like one thing in the book that really resonated with me that I also felt was a horrible thing to feel this kind of um I guess irksome feeling is how when your partner starts being more femme on Mm. femme and being I guess their real self or at least trying that expression on that it can feel very hyper femme or stereotypically female and it's just not something if you've lived female your entire life you've ever been that conscious of but it used to drive me nuts I used to be like is that what girl like is that what you think a girl's supposed to be like like yeah a hundred percent and I think that part in the book is the part that I feel the most shame about and when Jess read it for the first time it was the part that hurt her the most which I get and I think I've I don't think I would make such an assumption anymore but I completely understand why I did at the time and I think it's natural and it did feel strange and yeah performative and not like my expression of femininity or that I saw around me and but then I'm like oh who am I to to say what what femininity is and what it should look like and does it have to look like mine and how I express it so I think 
that is such a natural reaction. And another one that was important for me to keep in there, even though I, I do feel ashamed about it, but I think it's a very natural first thought to how you see femininity expressed by somebody else. Yeah, by somebody who is, is yeah, coming to terms with it. And I think the thing is it's like you grow out of that eventually you know I don't mm. I don't see my um former partner anymore like she doesn't those mannerisms don't like I don't feel the same way about them anymore because she's worked out what works for her and is natural for her and it's like okay now this feels natural but you know I guess it is sometimes that little bit of a like learning how to be human thing (laughs) yeah and I think it's like probably what we as cisgender women like got to do when we were teenagers exactly like you know when you go through your like little slutty stage with skimpy clothes and like you're testing your sexuality and your expression but when you're transgender you're doing it later and in kind of a more condensed time frame often and that that yeah period of experimentation is yeah, more on show, I think. Yeah, it's it's weird because it's like, yeah, it's that delayed puberty thing mm. that you have to go through that awkward phase when everyone else has worked it out. Yeah, already, already. Uh. <laughs> and then, you know, dealing with, I suppose, yeah, somebody also then going through like the the mood swings and the, the pubescent um, hormonalness that you're yeah. like, oh, was is this what I was like when I was 15? <laughs> I I think that's a big part of why I felt uncomfortable with it because I think I saw a lot of myself as a teenager <laughs> in that and was put off. I I want to um I want to kind of wrap up by talking about like futures and how you make things work, I suppose. It's such a turbulent and tumultuous mm. time and thing to go through. Um and you don't want to be, you don't want to be cruel and you don't want to be like, you know, you making things hard, but it's like, it's hard for everyone. Right. Um, generally speaking, how do you sort of, how do you weather that storm? And now that you and Jess have come back together, how is it something you kind of make work or last? Do you think if, if that's something you actually can or want to do? Yeah, I think, It is a really turbulent time and I found myself being able to cope with it better when I could access my own support people and structures because for a long time we couldn't speak about it because Jess didn't feel comfortable and that's 100% right and I wanted to respect that. But that made it hard for me because I was trying to cope with all my stuff on my own as well as try and support her with hers. So once I had that kind of outside support and could practice a bit more of my own self-care, that really helped. And I think going forward, coming back together, we've done a lot of work on forgiving ourselves for how we behaved and forgiving each other because we did we didn't do the best by each other a lot of the time, given everything we were trying to cope with. And so that's been quite a big journey. And I think 
maintaining our independence within the relationship now that we're coming back together because I think we'd become very codependent in helping each other try and get to what we were and lost sight of each other ourselves completely within that so trying to rebuild a relationship that has some healthy healthier boundaries and more independence has been really important to us and I think is a big part of our relationship now which is amazing that's awesome um yeah it's it's a big thing to go through and it changes everybody involved um but you come out I think you come out stronger and and better and a more rounded human being yeah I hope so I hope so I yeah the difference I feel in myself between you know when we first that first moment when she told me and now is massive and I wouldn't have gone through that growth if it hadn't been for this so I think yeah it's it's a big thing but I think it is worth it and I'm so glad ultimately how we handled it and where we are I think that's a really nice place to leave it Emma thank you so much for your time and for having this conversation with me on the hookup it's been really special thank you no I'm so glad thank you so much You can get Now That I See You from anywhere you get good books and I hope you give it a read. Thank you so much for listening. And if you have another topic suggestion, story or love dilemma we can help you out with, then send us an email, thehookup at abc.net.au or you can DM us on Instagram at triplejthehookup. We'll catch you next week.